Amen. Awesome. As those ushers give, you guys can hold on to your connection cards. Uh, this uh, card is somewhere around you, so hung, hang on to those. You don't need to put those in the offering baskets. We're going to give everybody a, a moment or two to fill these out. Uh, at the end of the service, there'll be people at each door with baskets. You can just fill these cards out and drop those in the baskets as you head out uh, this morning. Hey, I want to uh, welcome you. My name's Mark, if today's your very first time. And if it is uh, your first time, if you're brand new, we have a free gift for you that we'd love to give you today. It's at our welcome area, big area out there in the lobby. And all you need to do is just walk out there and uh, we'll just give you that free gift really quick. If you've been coming for a little bit, I've never met you, I would love to say hi to you and shake your hand, pray with you. Anything we can do for you, any questions you have, we'll be at the welcome area out there in the lobby after service. We would love to connect with you. Hey, I want to mention just a few things with you, okay? Uh, uh, number one, tonight at 6.30 is our Super Bowl watch party, so come bring finger foods if you can. Come, get ready to watch the Super Bowl. We'll hang out, have a great time tonight. Uh, it starts at 6.30, so right here, come. If you, can't, if you can't bring any food, just come anyway. It's going to be an awesome time, but if you can bring something, go ahead and bring it right here tonight, 6.30. Hey, something else is happening today. Uh, several of you have signed up for Night to Shine. Night to Shine is this Friday, February the 7th at uh, 6 o'clock uh, at, uh, at, at HCTC uh, this Friday night. But today at 3, today at 3 o'clock at Journey, is a volunteer meeting. So if you signed up to volunteer, if you can be at that meeting today at 3, please be there. You can fill out a registration form to volunteer out there at the welcome area. But come today, journey, 3 o'clock for a special volunteer meeting if you can make it. All right? And uh, just for the trifecta, I'll go for one more announcement. Next Sunday night is, oh, and, and we're, you can help with setting up. For, see that? Yeah, that was a spiritual moment right there. I do not have the spiritual gift of announcements, Tammy, so this is the Holy Spirit. I feel like this is the gift of prophecy working its way out of my life right now. So you can help set up for Night to Shine Thursday night. What time? Six o'clock. So if you can't help at the actual event, but you want to help set up for Night to Shine, you can do that Thursday night at six o'clock, all right? And, and then next Sunday night, February the 9th, we start small groups right here. All small groups meet 6 o'clock right out there. Uh, we'll all through the building, but we'll be here next Sunday at 6 o'clock. And uh, everybody in this church has signed up for a small group. You do not want to be the only one that didn't sign up. Does that, does that work? Is that, that's good. That's good. All right. There we go. All right. Hey, uh, I'm going uh, to pray, and uh, we are excited, man. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Pray EKY. I've had a couple people ask about my shirt, and uh, so uh, we, are, we are selling some Pray EKY shirts. This one, this long sleeve one's $14. The short sleeve's out there. You can look at it. It's 10 You can sign up for a shirt out there, um, but uh, you got to do it fast because we're only taking pre-orders for like a week or two. Next Sunday might be it, so you got to do that fast if you want one of these. And uh, this is the fashion item of the season, so why would you not want it? So there we go. All right. Hey, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to jump into some stuff this morning. Would you pray with me today? God, I just thank you so much that you are here, Father. I thank you just for the chance to worship uh, in song, in giving, and now we get to worship you with your word. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak, and, and Jesus, that it wouldn't be uh, my voice, but it would be your voice that we hear. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, we just come to you with open hands and open hearts and ask that you'd have your way. God, we just surrender this to you. Father, I pray that there's more of you and less of me. 
And God, that you would speak a word into this church today. God, wake up something in this church. Maybe that's fallen asleep or maybe that's never been there. Just wake up something in our hearts today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I saw some research a couple of weeks ago that said in 2017, so this was just a few years ago, 2017, uh, they took a survey of Americans and they wanted to know how many Americans prayed. And so what they tried to do with this survey is, is from three, in the past three months when the survey was taken in 2017, I don't know exactly at what point in 2017 they took this survey, but they asked a large number, a large number of Americans, they said, in the past three months, have you prayed? And think about this. In 2017, 94% of Americans say that within the last three months of when this survey was taken, they prayed. Think about that. 94% of Americans. And if you think about that, that's honestly not a shock. Uh, just think about when, when a tragedy happens in our culture. And, we, and you saw this last week with the passing of Kobe Bryant, right? When a tragedy happens in our culture, the response of most people is to say what? Our thoughts and prayers are with the family. Even, even if they go to church, have a spiritual background, or even if they don't, that just seems to flow out of people. It's just a, it's just a go-to response. Every single major religion in the world, the, the top major religions in the world, I'm talking Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, and, and then obviously Christianity. Every single major religion in the world practices some form of prayer. I mean, every culture, every tribe that's ever been discovered, if there's one thing that people groups do, no matter how remote they might be in the world, they pray to someone or something. Prayer just seems to be in our DNA. And, and a great question to ask is, where does that come from? Well, we can have a conversation about it if you want to. I would love to talk to you. I would love to spend some time and talk about if you think if you don't have a spiritual background, you're not a Christian and you're curious, I, I would love to know where that comes from. Uh, I just want to lay my cards on the table. That My cards on the table are where that comes from is that God has created us in His image. And because God made us in His image, God wrote on our hearts that we were made to know Him and to talk to Him. And so prayer is just a part of our DNA as humans. I mean, you put, you put anybody in a certain situation and something inside of them says that I need help and I can't do it. People around me can't do it. Something has to help me. And what is that? That is a form of prayer. It's just in us. And, and so, so what we're doing today is today we are launching a 10-week series on prayer. It's called Pray E-K-Y, and, and one of the reasons we're doing this series, actually the reason we're doing this series, is because we believe as a church that the deepest need for Eastern Kentucky is a revival from God, a real revival, a move of the presence and power of God that just changes the direction of this community, of this region, of every single church and our lives. We just need revival and renewal from God. It's our deepest need. And listen, the way that that comes is through prayer. And so what we're going to do in this series, this series is 10 weeks long. What we're going to do in this series, just to kind of set it up, we're starting it today. What we're going to do in this series is, is for the first couple of weeks in this series, we're going to answer some of the biggest questions people have about prayer. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to answer, uh, we're going to talk about what do you do with unanswered prayers? 
I mean, if you ever prayed for something and really prayed for it, and on paper it looked good, on paper it lined up with God's will, this would be something that God wants, and it didn't happen. Did it ever happen to you? It's happened to me, right? So what do you do with unanswered prayer? We're going to talk about that. Uh, some people ask me this question from time to time. Mark, why should I pray if God's going to do what he wants to anyway? So we're going to talk about that. And then what we're going to do, about the middle part of this series, about four, uh, four or five weeks in, what we're going to do is we're going to take a turn in this series. And then we're going to start to talk about every single week a different form of prayer. So, so one Sunday we're going, to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about intercessory prayer, how to pray for things. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare and something that's called warfare prayer. I just like the name of that. Uh, we're going to talk about one Sunday how to pray for lost people. And, and so this series starts today, goes all the way up to the, very, uh, the, the, the Sunday right before Easter. Uh, also, next week, we're starting small groups, the first seven or eight weeks of our small groups. And you'll even see this on our midweek uh, every Wednesday at 630. But in our small groups, one of the things we're really going to do for the first seven or eight weeks is we're going to get really practical about prayer. Uh, we're going to go through a thing on Sunday nights in our small groups, all the small groups uh, uh, separately, we'll be going through something called the prayer course, and it's going to be way more practical than we're going to get on Sunday morning. We're going to equip people to pray. I just believe that if our church doesn't do anything else but we help people learn to pray, then that's it. If we help people learn how to talk to God and connect with Him, then that is enough. And so, so we're just going to really drill down on prayer in this season as a church. I just believe, we believe it's just a calling from God uh, for us to be a church of praying people, a church, uh, a praying church. And so we've talked about that. So that's where we're going over the next couple of weeks. But I'll tell you what we're going to do today. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to unpack the why. I mean, why 10 weeks on prayer? Couldn't you do that in three I mean, why are we going to do it 10 weeks? We're going to do it on small groups. Why are we doing all this stuff? Why pray EKY? Why this hunger for revival? Why? That's what we're going to do this morning. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up uh, to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And we're going to be in verses 14 through 29 is where we're going to be. Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 14 through 29. Go ahead and turn on your Bibles on your phones or whatever. Open them up. If you don't have anything with, uh, with you, the words are going to be on the screen. Uh, but as you're turning there, what I like to say a lot of times, if you don't have a Bible at all at home or maybe one that you can understand, there's a Bible under a seat around you. That is our gift to you. Take that Bible. You don't even have to ask for it. Just take it uh, with you today. Mark 9, <clears throat> excuse me, Mark 9, 14 through 29. Let's read this. It says this, And when they came to the disciples... They saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out. And they were not able to. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it's often cast him into fire and to water and to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us 
and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Man, what a beautiful prayer. And when Jesus saw that a great crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, watch this, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Your Bible might say by anything but prayer and fasting. And so let's kind of set the scene in our mind here. Jesus and the disciples are in a crowd. They are are in this town and they see there's this massive commotion. There's all kinds of people arguing. Jesus walks up. There's a dad in the middle of this crowd, and, and the commotion's around this dad and his son. The dad's apparently went to the disciples before he's went to Jesus. And the dad has, and, and Jesus says, what's going on? And the dad says, my son is possessed by this evil spirit. And this evil spirit is, is trying to destroy my son. He causes him to have seizures, convulsions, throws him to the ground, all kinds of things. So the situation, just so we're keeping score, we're on the same page. There's a dad and his son is possessed by a demon. Now, stop right there. Some of you already, you hear that and you think, there's no way, this, I don't believe this, or you don't know what to think honestly. You know, and one of the reasons we have a hard time with this in, in Americans, as Americans, is we just think we're more advanced than this, don't we? We think we're, we're advanced, we've moved on, you know, we don't believe in demon possession and all of these things. We're, we're scientific people, we're advanced people. We don't believe in things like demon possession and that sort of thing. Um, If that's you, I'm glad you're here. I would just want to lightly remind our church, today is Groundhog Day, and we're letting a groundhog tell us what the weather is. So, so, so there's that. And so I just, (laughs) welcome to church. Um, And so, uh, but, but no kidding. So, so I just think, I'm convinced this is, this really happened. This really happened. I think it's important that you believe this really happened, that this is not some kind of figurative thing, you know, or anything like that. This is a real historic event. This boy's possessed by a demon. The demon wants to kill him. All right? Now, let's dive in here. There's some things going on. Remember, they come to the disciples first. They don't go to Jesus first. And the dad says that he goes up to his disciples. And in verse 18, I asked your disciples to cast it out. The words matter here. Watch this. I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able to. Notice that he doesn't say, I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they didn't. As if to say, you know, they were busy or they had something to do. The dad literally says, I asked your disciples to cast this out, and they weren't able to do it. And the reason that they weren't able to do it is because there was a power that they were encountering they just weren't ready for. And so, so there, it goes on, and, and Jesus drives out this demon. And by the way, when Jesus drives out a demon, it's never anything you see in like the exorcist or anything like that. You know, there's a priest, holy water, and it takes a really long time, and it's really dramatic in movies. Jesus, when Jesus does an exorcism, this is how it goes. Demon, get out. That's it. It's over. That's literally it. So the demon leaves. The boy looks dead, but he's fine. And and then there's this moment. Here's what I want us to focus on. There's this moment in verse 28 when the disciples come to Jesus privately. And I love that they just want to know. They say to Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? So what, 
why couldn't we do it? Because the dad was right. We weren't able to. So apparently they tried, and it just didn't work. Jesus for the win. Verse 29. And Jesus said to them, watch this, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now here's the deal. I don't think the problem is because the disciples weren't praying. I I think that the disciples were praying. But I wonder what kind of urgency was in their prayers. Does that make sense? I, I wonder how desperate they were in their prayers. I mean, has anybody ever asked you to pray for something and, and you pray about it, but, but you're just kind of casual with it? Oh, yeah, I'll pray for that. And you pray, but it's just a casual prayer. But then there are times, and I, I, you'd agree with this, right? Then there are times, man, when life puts you in a situation that takes the urgency of your prayer life to another level. Hello? Right? Somebody you know gets sick, you lose a job, something happens in the world, a tragedy, 9-11, I don't know what it might be. But just something happens, and instantly, you didn't even ask God to do it. Instantly, your prayer life, man, it is breathing different air. There is urgency. There is desperation. I just wonder if there was any of that in the disciples praying. Because I think what Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, and by extension, what Jesus is trying to tell our church as we start this series, Pray EKY, I think that Jesus is trying to tell us, listen, there are times when normal prayer is not going to cut it. Now listen, every single time a child of God cries out to our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name, God the Father hears our prayers. Every single time. It doesn't matter you're on your knees, you're crying out, you're fasting, you're in line at Walmart, and you just give a quick five-second prayer to God. Every single time one of God's kids cries out, our Heavenly Father hears us. Hello? Amen? Right? And there is more happening. There is more happening in every single prayer a follower of Jesus prays than any of us realize. But I just think that what Jesus is doing in Mark 9 is Jesus is giving us a vision of that there are times when a deeper pressing in is required. And listen to me. I am convinced that time is now. I am convinced that if Jesus Christ physically were here, if Jesus literally were to walk around Hazard, if Jesus were to look at America, if Jesus were to be physically here with us right now, I am convinced that Jesus would look at our community, our our world, and say this only changes with prayer and fasting. This only comes out. What you're experiencing, what you're walking through, what Eastern Kentucky sees on a daily basis, what is happening in the world right now, I am convinced that Jesus would look at us and say, this is only going to change with pressing in desperation, hunger, in prayer. So why pray EKY? Why 10 weeks? I just want to say two things this morning about prayer. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. The first thing I want us to see about prayer this morning as we kick this off is that prayer is the need of the hour. Prayer is the need of the hour. And if you don't believe me, look around. Look at the addiction issue in our community, right? Look at, look at poverty issues in our community. Look what's happening with the economy in our community. Look at the fact that most people in eastern Kentucky are lost and do not have a relationship with Jesus. Hello? 
Most people, well, Mark, I think the most people around here are saved. Everybody I know says there's a Christian, says that they're that they're a Christian, says that they're saved. Listen, if most people in Eastern Kentucky really were Christians, this community would look different than it is right now. Right? The next generation, not just here locally, this is just across the board, like in America, in the West. The next generation, students, Alex would be in this generation she's man she's just an amazing leader and God just uses her in so many awesome ways I love what she's doing in middle school the next generation though has been labeled the least genera- the least religious generation ever think about that this is your kids your middle school student your high school student the least gener- religious generation Ever. I saw a stat that from just a few years ago, 64% of college kids that were faithful to their church youth groups growing up, 64% when they get to college drop out of church completely. Here's what a lot of people believe. Oh, well, when they drop out, eventually they get married and have kids and come back. Look at me. There is no research to back that up whatsoever. It's a myth. No, that, that's not, it's not happening. Just look around. Look at the breakdown of the family. Look at how divided the world is. Look at how divided churches are. Just just look around. Listen, I could keep going, and this would be the most depressing sermon ever, wouldn't it? Right? We could just keep going down this path. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you hear all of that, when you watch the news, when you look around, what's it cause you to do? What's your solution to the problems? And listen, not even just in the community, not even just in the world, look at your own life. I mean, so many of us, we settle for bitterness and resentment and holding grudges rather than love and reconciliation and forgiveness. A lot of us, listen, we're so distracted, we don't even see how bad the world is. Just like Hope was here talking about last week, right? We're just scrolling our lives away, and we don't realize what's happening in the world around us. Just yesterday, I was reading something yesterday. I found an article yesterday in New York Magazine. Now, if you don't know New York Magazine, I'll just say this. Not a Christian publication, all right? Not a Christian publication. They ran an article yesterday, though, by a guy named Andrew Sullivan, a guy you should know. He is a Christian. He's a journalist and does all kinds of really good things. They ran an article just yesterday, and listen to the title of this article. I thought it was great, and I was like, oh, God, this is getting in the sermon. Thank you, Jesus. The title of the article was Why America Needs a Miracle. And they just quoted all kinds of secular people, all kinds of lost people who feel, uh, all kinds of, you know, philosophers and political leaders who, who feel like America, as it is, is in real danger. Will it stand? What's it going to look like in years to come? Here's what Andrew Sullivan says. I think I've got this quote. This is from the article just yesterday, New York Magazine. I see no way forward but a revival of Christianity. Hello. I'm hoping for a miracle. I love this. But at this point, what else have we got? So when you look around, I just lay my cards on the table. I'm convinced that what we need is revival. We need the presence and power of God. And listen, not a revival that we plan. I've been to a lot of those revivals that we plan. And listen, I'm not knocking those, but I am talking a spontaneous move of the presence and power of God where nothing is left the way that it is. That is the need 
of the hour. But here's the deal. If that's going to come, the only way that kind of move of God has ever come, the only way it's ever come in Scripture, in history, the only way it's ever come is when the people of God look at the world, look at the church, look at their own lives, and say, God, we need you. And it causes the church to hit their knees and cry out to God in prayer. So if revival's going to come, it's only going to come through the prayers of God's people. That's it. That's it. That's the only way it's going to come. So here's the question. Here's the second thing, and we'll just spend the rest of the morning on this one. What is prayer? If revival, if the only way that revival is really going to come is through prayer, what is prayer? All kinds of definitions, all kinds of things I could say. You know, when a lot, a lot of people talk about what is prayer, people say, oh, you, oh, you know what, prayer, prayer's talking to God. It is. It is. But I think what's happening here in Mark 9 is a different vision. So I'm going to give you, our de- I'm going to give you my definition of prayer. This is not my definition. It's from a guy named David Wells. This has honestly shaped the way that I've thought about prayer for years. And I'm going to try to say this every Sunday for 10 weeks. You're welcome. All right? I love this definition of prayer, though. Here's what prayer is. Here's the definition of prayer for this entire series. Here it is. Prayer is rebellion against the status quo. Prayer is rebellion against the status quo. Do you know what the status quo means? Do you know what that phrase means? You know what the status quo means? The the status quo means this is the way that it is. The status quo means what's normal. The status quo says this is the way that it's always been. So back to our story here, Mark chapter 9. Jesus asked this question in verse 21. Look at uh, Mark 9, 21. Jesus asked the Father, look at this question. How long, is this, how long has this been happening to him? How long has this been happening to this boy? And the dad says, from childhood. Now, here's the deal. We don't know how old the boy was when this happened, but here's what the dad just told Jesus for most of his life. For most of his life, he's been like this. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you imagine what it must have been like to live in that town and to see that boy have seizures and mysteriously be thrown to the ground and something's happening to him? Can you imagine what it must have been like the first time that they saw it? How shocked everybody was. How weird it was. How awkward it was. I bet people tried to rush in and help. I bet people tried to do something. I bet people probably even prayed. I bet people tried to do something because what was happening to this boy, what they saw, it was horrible. And then they couldn't stop it. And eventually they they just had to make the choice. They just had to go home. And then they saw it the next day and then the next day and the next day. And weeks turned into months and months turned into years. And it was still awkward And it was still hard to watch, but he's always been like this. So Jesus and the disciples stroll into town. And this dad runs up to the disciples and he begs the disciples to do something they can. He begs Jesus to do something. Jesus says, how long has this been going on? You can almost hear the people of the town say, Jesus, this is awful, isn't it? It's so sad what's happening to this boy. It's it's horrible. But what are you going to do? He's always been like this. Jesus, this is normal. Listen, a mentality that says it's always been this way will cause you not to pray. A mentality that says it's always been this way. This is normal. Then you won't pray. 
You will go through the motions of prayer, but you will not pray. So just, this is the way that it is. This is the way that I've always been. This is the way that our community is. It's always been there. Here's the deal. You will go to church. You may go through the forms of prayer, but you won't pray with the urgency and the desperation that Jesus is talking about here in Mark 9, 29. This only comes out with prayer. Status quo. This is just the way that it is. Just, just do a quick gut check right now. Do a quick check under the hood of your life. Is there anything happening in the world right now that you look at and say, this is just the way that it is, this is just the way that it is. You've accepted as normal, but God says it isn't. Is there anything in the world right now that you've accepted as normal that God says isn't? That's status quo. Status quo will cause us to accept as normal things that Jesus came to set us free from. Status quo will cause us to say it's always been this way when God says it's ungodly. Is there anything happening in your life that you've accepted as normal and God says it isn't? Look at me. People talk this way all the time, don't they? Well, yeah, the addiction problem around here is horrible. I mean, there's not, not there, every single family's been impacted by it. But it's so big, it's so deep. What are you going to do? What are you going to do that hasn't already been tried? Chloe got sick Monday, and I took her to the doctor, and she had strep throat. And I'm in the waiting room, and there's a guy in the waiting room that I went to high school with. I hadn't seen him since high school. And he said, what are you doing here? Like, I hadn't seen him since high school. What are you doing here, Mark? I said, I came back here to start a church. He said, you came back here? Why would you come back here, he said. Mark, there is nothing here. Mark, this place is, di- this place is dead, status quo. I said to myself, thank you, you're in my sermon this Sunday. He will go unnamed, Right? I hear people talk this way about themselves. This is just the way that I am. This has been in my family, Mark, for generations. My mom was this way, my dad was this way, and their parents were this way. This is, this is just who I am. It's just, it's just normal status quo. And what prayer does is prayer, prayer looks at the world, looks at the church, looks in our own lives and says, God, it's not supposed to be this way. You have got to change it. And so prayer refuses to accept as normal what Jesus came to set us free from. Our view of prayer is too safe. We pray prayers like this, God be with me today. And God is in heaven saying, already planned to, what are we going to do? God give me a good day. Jesus tells us to pray things like this, your kingdom come. Now here's the deal, we've taken the teeth out of that, right? We have it cross-stitched on a pillow. When they hurt, look at me, this is true. When they heard Jesus tell people, you need to start praying, your kingdom comes. Roman officials heard that, and they said, this man is going to try to 
take Caesar down. He's going to lead a revolution that's going to try to overthrow Rome. Let's kill him. One of the main messages of early Christianity is a new emperor has come. They killed him and he came back to life. He is Jesus Christ. Your kingdom come. It was this revolutionary call. And we've taken the teeth out of it. We're going to talk about it in this series. But prayer, prayer just looks at a broken world, broken systems, broken governments, broken lives, and says, no more, let your kingdom come. I love this quote from theologian Karl Barth about prayer. He says this, he says, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder in the world. You hear that? Are you catching this vision of prayer? That, that we are literally calling a kingdom to come. Listen, those Roman officials, when they said, oh man, Jesus is going to try to overthrow Rome. Listen, they had no idea Jesus wasn't just talking about overthrowing the Roman government. Jesus was literally going to fulfill the promise that said, one day the kingdoms of this world will be overwhelmed by the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Right? So here's what a lot of us are going to do this year. We're going to pray that our political candidate wins in November. Because if he or she wins, then we'll be okay. If we can make sure that our politicians, these people in this party, get in office, we can sleep well, this country's going to be, everything will be fine if they win. Look at me. There is a kingdom coming that will overthrow every party. Amen? There is a kingdom coming that will overthrow every kingdom of this world, and Jesus is the king of that kingdom. It is coming. He tells us, pray that it comes. Pray that it comes. Pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven. And so prayer just refuses to accept as normal what's abnormal. It refuses to accept as acceptable what God says is ungodly. Prayer is rebellion against the status quo, and it says it's not supposed to be this way. On August 13th, 1961, we're done right here. On August 13th, 1961, construction started on the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall would separate East Germany from West Germany. And, and the Berlin Wall became a symbol of oppression. Became a symbol of oppression for people on both sides of the wall, but especially for people on the east side of the wall. So on the west side of the wall is more capitalism and far more freedoms on the east side of the wall. Have you seen pictures of the Berlin Wall? You've seen pictures, right? You know how the Berlin Wall is covered in spray paint? That's the west side. The east side, virtually clean. Because on the east side of the wall, there was constant fear of the communist government regime. There was constant fear of war with the west. And on the eastern side of the wall specifically, it was just an oppressive form of lifestyle, especially for Christians. And in 1982, there was a pastor. Listen to this story. This is a true story. You can look it up right now. In 1982, there was a pastor named Christian Fuhrer who lived on the east side of the wall in Leipzig, Germany. And he asked people to begin to, be, to, begin to meet 1982, Monday nights, at a church called St. Nicholas Church, and just to begin to pray for peace. And so they started to meet at this church, and they would meet on Monday nights. And at first, 
just a few dozen people showed up. It was really small for a long time. But they just kept meeting every Monday night to pray for peace. Seven years later, it was 1989, 8,000 people were showing up in that church to pray for peace. Think about that, 8,000 people. That was inside of the church. Outside of the church, in the streets, one night, 70,000 people showed up. When you do that, you will get some attention. And so the government, the communist government, on the east side of that wall, they said, we've got to stop this. They're going to try to overthrow us. They're going to try to start a revolution. They're going to, you know, they've probably got guns. They've probably got weapons. They had no idea. It was a prayer meeting. But the government made this decision. We're going to stop this by whatever means necessary. That's what they said. And so, so people began to urge the prayer meeting to stop, and it didn't, and it just continued to grow. And there was one particular Monday that the government, they was, oh, we're going to shut it down tonight. They literally brought tanks into the streets. They stationed snipers on surrounding buildings. Doctors literally set up tents around the church and through the streets. It said they were ready for a bloodbath, they said. Because they were convinced that, that, when, that when the marching started, because they would pray for an hour and then march through the streets, and their chant was, no violence, only change. But the government was convinced one day it's going to be violence, and so they were going to shut it down on this Monday. And, and on this particular Monday, over 100,000 people showed up. And every single person got a candle that you had to hold with two hands where it wouldn't stay lit. So they prayed for an hour, and they were ready for a bloodbath. Many of them probably prayed, and they tried to do peace with God and prepared to die. They prayed, and then they marched through the streets, and they just continued the chant. No violence, only change. And nothing happened. The government was convinced, surely these people secretly, they're going to try to start a revolution. They've probably got weapons. It's only a matter of, nothing happened. It kept going until 1989, one Monday night, over 300,000 people showed up at the prayer meeting. Just a few thousand in the church, everyone else in the streets. They continued to pray. That night when 300,000 people showed up, literally, it was one month to the day. One month later, the Berlin Wall fell down. And you can read about it from our vantage point where we were in America. In America, you can read about it. Oh, there was a lot of political wranglings and all kinds of things going on. But on the ground, on the east side of the wall, this is not a preacher trying to get an illustration. This is just history. You can Google it. On the east side of the wall, what many people to this day say caused the Berlin Wall to fall and communism to fall was prayer. There was one communist official who gave an interview and he said this. I don't know if the quote's on the screen, but this is what he said. He said, we were prepared for every eventuality, but not for candles and not for prayers. Think about that. We were prepared for everything. We were prepared for them to have guns. We were prepared for them to fight. We were not prepared for prayer. And prayer changed things. Can I just tell you that prayer is the most powerful force in the world? 
And what Eastern Kentucky needs more than anything is a deep move of God that will come through the prayers of hungry, desperate people. Mark, is all we're going to do pray? No, we'll do way more than that. But can I tell you, there is nothing we will do more powerful than prayer. Because prayer brings heaven to earth, and that is what earth needs, heaven. Earth needs heaven to come down. So I figure that you have one of two options. You have one of two options, and this is where we'll end. You can give in to the spirit of the age. You can, give it, you can give in to the spirit of the age that says, this is the way that it is. What are you going to do? There's places a ghost town. There's no hope. Can't do anything about the addiction issues. Nothing's going to change. What are you going to This is normal, and you can give in to that. And you can give in to that and look at me. You will never pray. You won't. You will go through the form of it, but you will never experience the breakthrough that Jesus talks about in Mark 9 when he says this kind of thing only changes with deep, hungry prayer. So you can do that. You can give into the spirit of the age. You can come to church. You can sing songs. You can read your Bible and just accept as normal what God says isn't. Or you can rise up in hungry desperate prayer that the kingdom of God would come into this world and radically change things. Amen? Listen, here's what I want to say. People right now are talking about how dark the world is, how bad things are, and how dark things are for the church. Everybody's leaving the church, it says, faster than they've ever, it's ever been. Everything's bad. Listen to me right now. I want to tell you, things are dark and things are bad. But can I tell you something? And this is just Bible and this is just history. There has never been a revival and move of God that started when things are good. Revival is not born out of the light. Revival is born in the darkness. In Acts chapter 2, when Christianity came and the Spirit of God fell and everything started, they had no money, they had no buildings, they had no budget, they had no power. It was just 120 people in a room praying and the Spirit of God fell. And here we are thousands of years later in Hazard, Kentucky, worshiping and praising the same Jesus. Every revival that's ever come into the world didn't come when things were great and up and to the right. They came when things were dark and looked like there was no hope. And in that moment, the people of God got desperate, cried out to God, and God showed up. Here's my question. What if God is setting things up so that the church of Jesus would get desperate, go to our knees, and cry out. What if the greatest move of God hasn't happened in the rearview mirror? What if it's about to happen in our time? I want to see it. I would love to be a part of it. And can I just tell you, can I just tell you, if we give ourselves to this prayer and we don't see it, but our kids see it, and our grandkids see it, and their kids see it, look at me. The whole thing will have been worth it. The whole thing will have been worth it. And we will stand with the cloud of witnesses, and we will rejoice that the kingdom is coming, Summit. So if it's coming, man, I want to be a part of it. And I just believe that the time is now for us to get hungry for it to come. So would you pray with me this morning? Just Bow your heads. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And Father, I, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would start something inside of me. 
you would start something inside of our church. Maybe you need to resurrect something that's dead. Maybe you need to speak something into existence that's never been there. I don't know what you have to do, but Father, would you just do it, and would you do it for the glory of your name? God, when I look at this world, your name is not worshiped the way that it ought to be. Your kingdom isn't coming to the degree that you want it to. The church, this one, all churches, all of us. The church of Jesus just ought to be walking with more power than it is. The church of Jesus ought to be walking with more presence than it is. The church of Jesus ought to be the most loving people on the planet. God, we for too long have just accepted as normal what isn't. And Jesus, you just walked into this town and up to this dad and said, this is not normal. And you changed it. And the same kind of prayer that you called the disciples to in Mark 9 is the kind of prayer that I think you're, I think you're calling us to. Just deep, hungry, desperate prayer. Summit, listen to me. In this, in this moment of prayer with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, I just want to call moms and dads to intercede for their sons and daughters again. I just want to call students to begin to intercede for your school and pray that the kingdom comes. I just want to ask you to begin to pray for this city that the kingdom comes. Man, if you're just discouraged at the way things are going in the world and you, you quit praying a while back, I just want to ask you to start again. If you feel like your prayers are too safe, I want to ask you to, to, go, to go up to another level. The time is now. The urgency is in the air. This is the moment. And so you might be here today and, and, you're, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you and, you're, and something inside of you is just praying, God, wake me up. Wake me up to prayer. Wake me up to the need of the hour. You might, you might feel like you started to accept it as normal, what God says isn't. Or you just might be sitting there saying, listen, God, we need revival. God, I need revival. I just want to take a moment right now and open up this altar. And if that's you today, if that's you, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, calling you to deeper prayer, calling you to pray for revival in your life and in our community, I just want to ask you right now to get up out of your seat and you come forward. And let's just go to God right now in prayer. If anybody in the room, if that's you, come on. God, I want revival in my life, revival in our community. You come. People are coming. You come. God, I, God, I've accepted as normal what's at, what, what you said as abnormal. God, wake me up to it. God, wake me up to how I need to pray. Wake me up to the urgency of the hour. Wake me up, God, to pray for my kids again, to pray for my husband again, to pray for my wife again. You come right now. You're sitting there, man. You just feel like your prayer life is so stale and so dry and the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Or maybe just inside you're saying, God, I want life again. You just come right now. Maybe you're looking around at this city and just how broken it is and the needs of this city. And you used to pray for it and then you stopped. I just want to challenge you to get up out of your seat right now and to come and just begin to intercede and intercede for your own life for your own heart. God, wake me up. God, wake up my own heart. Just with every head bowed, with every eye closed, as people are up here praying as you're in your seats, 
praying. If you're here today and, and just the cry of your heart inside of you, your prayer is, God, wake me up to this kind of prayer. I want to start praying this way. If that's you, put your hand up right now. Put your hand up right now. There's a hand right there. There's several hands right over here to my right. Several hands over here. I see some back over there in the back to the left. God, I just want to start praying this way. Hungry, desperate prayer. Amen. Amen. Some of you are here and you might be one of those and you just say, you say, Mark, listen, I used to be praying for my school, for my family like this. I used to pray for our city like this and then I stopped. Would you just pray that God gives me that urgency to start praying again? If that's you, just put your hand up. There's a hand right over there. Amen. Father, I just pray that, that right now you would send an awakening. And, and that awakening, God, the, just the beginnings of it, it's not going to make the news. It's not going to make headlines. God, people aren't going to be talking about it on Facebook. It, it's not going to go viral because, God, it is under the surface. It is underground. God, it is so subversive the way that, that the kingdom comes and revival starts. Jesus, you said that the kingdom of God is like a seed, just planted. And when you plant a seed, nothing happens on the surface. But under the surface, life, life is breaking through. And so, Jesus, would you plant that seed in this church? Would you plant that seed for our city? Would you plant that seed for our country? God, would you plant that seed for our friends? Would you plant that seed, God, that we would just be so burdened over the people who are lost and far from you? God, even just right here in Christopher, just right here around us this morning, hundreds of people that don't know you. And God, forgive me for just accepting that. God, I pray that the seeds of revival are planted today. I pray that the seeds of a renewal are planted today, right now. In middle school hearts, high school students' hearts, kids' hearts, adults, grandparents. Just plant the seeds of revival and renewal in our souls. And if there's somebody here today and you've never given your life to Jesus... I just want to invite you right now to ask Jesus into your heart to give your life to Christ. You might be here today and, and maybe you're not a Christian, you don't go to church, but I want you to know that God loves you. God made you with a purpose. God wants a relationship with you. So much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And so right now, if you will confess your sins to God and ask Jesus to forgive you, he will come into your life and you can begin a relationship with Him. If you want to give your life to Christ, it's not just one prayer, but it can begin as a prayer. So today, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. God, I give my life to you for the very first time. Thank you for loving me, for dying for me, and coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you right now. 